Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast. I am John Hodge, joined by J.C. Abbott. We apologize for being a day late on our podcast. However, when it comes to Grey Cup Week, J.C., um, it is not abnormal to have a 14-hour day and only realize at 1 in the morning that you have yet to record your daily podcast, and Wednesday is, in fact, over. So we're coming to you now on Thursday afternoon. Thank you for bearing with us. And uh, we're loving life here in Regina. It's certainly been an incredible experience thus far, Hodge. This is my first Grey Cup covering it as a member of the media. And you're absolutely right. The days are long. They are action-packed. There is always something happening. Stories we can't even get to because we just don't have the time and the resources to do it. But a lot of action happening here in Saskatchewan. Yes, we have a very high-tech podcast set up. Um, it's definitely not just us sitting in our Airbnb handing a microphone back back and forth. We, we are definitely in a much more professional uh, recording setting. I can, I can assure our audience of that. Um, and it has been a, a fantastic few days. It has been remarkably exhausting, um, but that is part of the beauty of Grey Cup, right, is, is you, you, you do right, the media car wash. You, you talk to as many people as you possibly can. Uh, you record as many of those conversations as you can, and then you desperately try to remember what the heck was said over those various conversations while simultaneously uh, figuring out where to eat, drink, and use the washroom, uh, and hopefully maybe sleep. That's that's often the last priority, um, which is probably why the days start to run together around around this time. You've been in Regina for three days now. You arrived Monday. I arrived Tuesday. Um, I was foolish enough to drive from my home in Winnipeg. I do love the open highway. Um, but around hour five, I thought, you know what? I think the flight's only 45 minutes. Maybe, maybe, maybe this was a mistake, but that's okay. Um, let's talk Grey Cup, JC. As you said, this is your first Grey Cup covering it as a member of the media. Your overall impressions on how things have gone thus far. Well, I think the setup at, at the Queensbury Convention Center has been great for the coaches' media conference and the media day today. Uh, love Mosaic Stadium. It's my first time visiting, so it's people in Saskatchewan, you should be 
extremely proud of that facility. It is a gem and a wonder walking around. I think it is more impressive than any facility in the country, at least that I've seen. It, it really blew my socks off. Wasn't super thrilled about the uh, Bombers having their practices out at Libel Field in the middle of nowhere, but again, very, very nice facility there for Regina Minor football. So everything, all the football infrastructure here in Regina has been very impressive to me. It's not something we get to see out where I come from in Vancouver. We don't have those type of facilities. So that's what I've come away from most impressed is some of the things that, you know, the teams out here, the Rough Riders, the Regina Thunder, they have access to these types of facilities. That has been the most impressive thing. Yeah, for, for anybody in Winnipeg, Libel Field is essentially Eastside Eagles Field. It's it's kind of like a, a mixed pro-amateur venue. The only difference is Libel Field is significantly nicer than Eastside Eagles. I could say that I was a member of the Eastside Eagles growing up, uh, played at that stadium for seven years, albeit not very well. I, I was not a great player, and our team was, was never very good. Um, but, uh, actually that was where I played against Jordan Reeves, uh, once or twice. Now I remember the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, or pardon me, Edmonton Elks, broken into the league with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Now I remember the Edmonton Elks, son of Willard Reeves, former CFL MOP, um, and, and a burgeoning politician in the province of Manitoba. Anyways, let's talk about, about the actual game. Well, well let, let, there's a natural tie in here. The reason the Bombers are playing at Libel Field is because they don't want to be in the eyes, right, and in the scope uh, of exactly what is going on here in Regina. We know that last year at Hamilton, they practiced exclusively at McMaster University. They did not practice at Tim Hortons Field. They're exclusively practicing at IG. Um, or pardon me, they're exclusively practicing at Libel Field this week. They're not at Mosaic. Um, that does seem weird at first glance because the Saskatchewan uh, uh, football community spent a tremendous amount of taxpayer dollars building that gorgeous facility that you talked about, JC. Craig Dickinson was there on uh, Wednesday. He helped us check out the weight room. Uh, we spoke with Craig Reynolds about it, the president and CEO of um, of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They, they, they gushed about how incredible that facility is, and it obviously lives up to itself. It still doesn't get me excited about lifting weights, because uh, I don't think anything on this planet would. But if I were to lift weights, that is the place that I would I would choose to do it. Uh, but the Bombers, interestingly, they, they practice at Libel Field specifically to get out of right the glitz and glamour of the media and, and prevent anybody from trying to glean anything from their practices. Um, that said, they've got 19 games of game film. Like, I don't know what they're expecting people to glean from practice that you couldn't otherwise glean from their games. Mike O'Shea was asked today during the media day by by Claire Hanna of TSN saying, so you're not concerned about you're like, like you don't care about your team playing at Mosaic. And he just said, well, we've, we've played at Mosaic a bunch of times, which I, I suppose is is obviously true. But Zach Kolaris, right, is the big question. Is Zach going to play? And after him not practicing um, at this random field on Wednesday and then closing practice Thursday so that the media could not see whether or not Zach Kolaris played Kyle Walters, um, in the first half of the media availability in the afternoon, uh, spoke with Three Down Nation and said um, he, he, he expects uh, Zach Kolaris to start. or, or to, he, he said, I expect Zach to, to play and to get the absolute unequivocal answer. I said verbatim, can you guarantee 
that he will start. And and Kyle Walters said yes. And then I said, and to confirm, we are speaking about Zach Kolaris. And then he laughed at me and said, yes, we're talking about Zach Kolaris. So unequivocally, we could say that Zach Kolaris will start despite not practicing uh, either day this week. He's going to try to practice on Friday um, at, again, this random facility that it's not the $300 million stadium they built for the purpose of hosting football games. Um, but I'm looking forward to attending, by the way. It's going to be unbelievable, that atmosphere there in Regina, um, that mosaic. But, JC, what, what do you make of Zach Kolaris? He obviously suffered the ankle injury at the West Final. Um, what are you expecting to see from him coming off the injury? I think he's going to be roughly the same guy that we're used to seeing. Like, I am not convinced, based on, on the little bit that I've seen from him walking around today at the media day, he was sitting on his chair. He was moving that injured ankle pretty consistently on the chair, doing the sort of thing you do when you're a little bit nervous and on the spot, sort of popping your foot up and down. That's not something I expected to see from a guy who should have a, a you know a sprained ankle of, of some kind. So he looks good. I think this is a little bit of gamesmanship by the Bombers, a little bit of, of preservation by Caleros to make sure he doesn't aggravate whatever injury he did suffer. It's certainly been an emotional ro- roller coaster because in that West Final, if you had told me when he went down that he was going to play in the Grey Cup, I would have said, you're insane. In that moment, because of how badly he was limping and the way he had to leave that game, then post-game in his comments, he says, I'm, gar- I'm definitely going to play, and all that goes away. You think he's playing. Then you show up at that facility. You, you drag yourself out into the middle of nowhere to watch Bombers practice, and all of us are in that media booth looking around, looking around. We don't see Zach. Don't see Zach. And they start practice. He was not on the field. The whole place just sort of buzzing around, everyone typing up their stories, typing up their tweets, to let everyone know that Zach Kalar was, was, in fact, not practicing after saying he was going to play in the Grey Cup game. At that point, you think, okay, maybe this is real. Now he's not going to play. But he comes out today, and he was pretty definitive in his statements, and I believe him. I, I think he is going to play in that Grey Cup game, and I'm not convinced the injury itself is going to be all that limiting. Yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll have to wait and see, I, I suppose. If you want to, by the way, see video of Zach Kolaris walking to his media, media availability, our very own Justin Dunk um, pulled a, his, uh, his, a, a token paparazzi-type move and videoed uh, Zach Kolaris walking down the hallway to his media availability. So you can judge for yourself. I don't have to tell any of our listeners he did or did not have a limp. I would say, uh, by my assessment of that video, he had a very slight limp. Um, but he certainly did not appear to be in serious discomfort, pain, whatever. Now, you know, leisurely walking down a hotel hallway is obviously different than playing professional football. And Zach, as much as he is not a, a runner these days, he is 34 years old after all, he does rely on his mobility to get around the pocket. I looked up his stats the other day. I believe in the regular season, if I recall correctly, he ran the ball six times. Um, but anybody who watched him play knows that he's constantly escaping the pocket and fleeing often to his right and often will will, will throw for 40-yard touchdown passes to Dalton Schoen after escaping the pocket. So as much as he is not a quarterback with a lot of running stats, he is a guy who relies 
on his mobility, whether or not he takes a shot to help him potentially, you know, numb any pain that might be there remains to be seen. We will likely not learn anything about that till after the Grey Cup is done. Um, but we know that the Argos, let's talk about the Argos for a little bit. We know that they're preparing for Zach Kolaris. I talked to Chris Edwards, all-star strong side linebacker for the Toronto Argonauts. He was not even aware of what number Drew Brown wears. He was under the impression that Dakota Prukop was the backup. He said, we watched a little bit of film on, Drew, on Dakota, but I, and I've got a whole column on this, by the way, up at 3downnation.com. was very clear. We want to see Zach because they want to beat the best when they're at their best, right? It, it, it cheapens it a little bit if you beat a, a team that that is you know, without their, their star quarterback. You want to be the best. You got to beat the best. And... Um, I, I said, well, but what about Drew Brown? After all, Drew Brown is their primary backup, and he wasn't really sure who Drew, Drew Brown was. He didn't know what number he wore, and he also said that they hadn't watched the film of Drew Brown's only start. That took place in mid-October in Vancouver. You're at that game, JC, at BC Place Stadium. So the Toronto Argonauts have been preparing exclusively for Zach Kolaris and it look and have been all week, and, and it looks as though they were 100% correct in their suspicions that Zach would be the guy under center because they are going to be prepared for him come game day. Yeah. If you talk to any of them, right, I, I think it comes from a place of respect as well for Zach Kolaros. And they've seen what he's done in the league to this point. They know that he's overcome injuries in the past to be successful. I was at the, the team arrivals at the airport. You were still driving all the way from Winnipeg, Hodge, and Jagarit Davis when he was asked the, the same question, he was the first guy who got that question. He essentially said, you know, Zach's a warrior. I expect to see exactly the same guy, no matter what. It's one game. There is not a player in this league that wouldn't give everything they had in that one moment to play in that Grey Cup game. And Zach Kolaros is not just any player in this league. He is an exceptional player in this league who is going to be dangerous whether or not his mobility is restricted a small amount, right? If they can get that running game going, if they can take a little bit of pressure off him, if he gets one of those magic shots that's going to make it all go away, which he would not say during his press conference today, whether or not he would be getting any pregame treatment of that type. But if he does, right, I have no doubt that for the 60 minutes that is required to play this football game, he will be relatively pain-free and playing at the highest level that he absolutely can. Something that I am really looking forward to seeing. Obviously, Andrew Harris and and his his you know playing Winnipeg again. He he's spoken very candidly this week, very honestly this week. He's talked about how this could be the last game of his career, right? He's he's open to that, and and the result of this game, win or loss, could impact that decision potentially. He will be thirty six next year. He brought that up on his own. He said, "Well, there's not there's not a lot of thirty six year old running backs in professional football," which is accurate. Um, our boy Brendan McGuire wrote a great column about how he recovered, um, and the, to use McGuire's word, miraculously, uh, from a torn pectoral muscle in just three months, uh, typically a six-month recovery period, uh, to return for the playoffs. But I want to talk about the fact that, that the Argos changed the complexion of their offense, in my opinion, in the East Final by not only having Harris on the field, but also having A.J. Olette on the field. By the way, had a nice conversation with A.J. Olette today. Obviously, we know where he went to school, J.C., which was where? Ohio. Ohio. And who else played at Ohio? Nathan Rourke. Nathan Rourke. And do you want to guess who 
was the host for Nathan Rourke when he visited Ohio, A.J. Olette, and they came very close to playing against each other in the Grey Cup. Obviously, Nathan Rourke was one drive away in the West Final from beating Winnipeg, or at least tying that game. They were down by eight on the final drive. But um, So tons of CFL connections down at Ohio University. Um, Casey Sales, starting defensive tackle for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, also played at Ohio. Um, those Those Bobcats are littered all over the CFL, but... Anyways, to me, that made their offense a lot more dangerous. I, I don't see Toronto's offense as being particularly potent through the air. I think McLeod Bethel-Thompson is a competent quarterback. I don't think he's an elite quarterback. I think their receiving core is a competent receiving core. I don't think it's an elite receiving core. But suddenly, with the offensive line firing off the ball, with two bruisers coming out of the backfield who can also block and they can catch, right? Like It's such a versatile pair of weapons if I'm Richie Hall, all of a sudden I am I am more concerned about the Argos offense than I may have been before the East Final. I absolutely agree with you, Hodge. And I also had a conversation with AJ Ouellette, and the biggest thing I took away from it was we were talking about that backfield tandem and what it was like to be a part of it. And he said, you know, the biggest thing to me was after that game, which was a hard-fought physical football game, I was running downhill, I had some big plays, I have never felt that good and that fresh after a game as a running back because it cut my workload in half. And we were both running the same style, right? You think about most backfield tandems, it's thunder and lightning. This is thunder and thunder. The defense does not get a break or a changeup, right? They're going to punch you in the mouth and then rotate the next guy in and throw another punch. And I think that's a that's a very dangerous combination. And to have two running backs like that who are fresh going into a game that's going to be played in some pretty cold, snowy conditions, that's a dangerous thing. That's a dangerous combination. Andrew Harris has played one game in the last three months, right? He is extremely fresh. AJ Lett is feeling better because he got that rest the, the first round bye week and being spelled off by Harris. Brady Oliveira is a guy, right, who who had a very heavy workload. We're expecting him to have a similar impact for Winnipeg, but it's tough to do that over and over again in back-to-back games. The Bombers don't have the same luxury that the Argos do in having a back that's very well-rested because of the second guy there. I think that's an excellent um, observation because Brady Oliveira set a career single game high in the West Final with 130 rushing yards. He got 20 carries. He and and look, Brady Oliveira is in fantastic shape. I have a ton of respect for what he's done. But historically, it is hard for running backs to repeat performances like that. You get beaten down, you get broken down, and you are absolutely right. The the Argonauts have two top tier running backs who are fresh and Winnipeg has a very good running back who 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 I'm not going to say he's tired. I don't know if that's fair to say, um, but I, I, I will just share my observation, which is, you know, it, it's tough to repeat performances like that. And obviously, if, if Kolaris is ailing a little bit with the ankle, Winnipeg, it's only natural, would want to lean on their ground game maybe a little bit more. Um, one thing that might work to the passing game's advantage is the weather forecast, which seems to be getting better by the day as we sit here in Regina it's the afternoon again on Thursday it is minus 14 degrees outside Sunday is a high of minus two 
Um, so the weather is certainly improving. Today, by the way, was a high of minus 14. It, it did reach that. So the fact that the teams are out there practicing right now minus 14 and the weather is, is, is scheduled to improve that much could help, right, teams move the ball through the air a little bit. It's going to help the kickers. It's going to help guys, you know, making tough catches. It's going to help the ball maybe bounce in a little bit more team-friendly way, right? Like we saw in the West Final, it being that cold, you know, coming off a punt, for instance. We saw Janarian Grant Muff one, for instance. Uh, the ball does bounce differently when it is that cold, that frozen on on that turf. Um, other news and notes, we are going to make our Great Cup picks, by the way, in a moment. The line is changing. It opened at minus four for Winnipeg, or four and a half, pardon me, for Winnipeg. It is now at minus five and a half for Winnipeg. In other words, betters are feeling confident on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Obviously, the Zach Kolaris news has impacted that a little bit. But again, the messaging has been pretty consistent for both teams until the news was official today that Kolaris will be playing. Both sides seemed confident that he would be playing. But we've got obviously a ton of news and notes, some of which have made it to the site, some of which have made it to Twitter, and some of which we're talking for the very first time about on this podcast. Um, we, we've got a, a great column you wrote, JC, about McLeod Bethel Thompson taking aim at CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi. By the way, we're going to hear from him Friday morning. Um, I'm sure the media is going to be ready to pepper Randy with questions. Um, over under on how many times he's going to talk about genius sports. What were you set at, JC? My over under is set at 17, 17 times he talks about genius sports. I think that's about, uh, about right at that spot i think he'll talk about it for at least 15 minutes while he's buying time so he doesn't have to answer very many questions at the end um yeah Macbeth's comments were i thought very insightful on his behalf i thought they were well formulated i thought he made some some very good points now he's a fiery dude he is talked critically uh about the league at times i was in halifax for touchdown atlantic as well he made Similar comments at that time about the league's handling of Garrett Marino's suspension and and some of the the racial allegations there, as well as the player. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with BetMGM. You'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code Champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C safety aspect so he has taken aim at the commissioner before I don't think he's quite called him out like this and and the key line here is he said the face of the league which of course means Randy Ambrosi I've never met him right he has not had a conversation with me and what I wonder Hodge is what that interaction would be like if the Toronto Argonauts won the Grey Cup and McLeod Bethel Thompson trots up on the stage to accept the trophy from the commissioner 
and meets him for the very first time. Do you think they'll they'll share some kind words after what Macbeth had to say this week? I mean, I'm not going to speak for Mr. Ambrosi, but it is disappointing to hear that he has yet to meet a player who is, you know, he's he's a five-year veteran of this league, and he's been a starting quarterback now for three seasons. He didn't start week one in 2019, but he became the starting quarterback of the Argos in pretty quick order, led the league in touchdown passes pre-pandemic, and since then, I mean, he just led the league in yardage. He's never met Randy Ambrosi, who is in Regina, by the way. Um, he was uh, socializing last evening on, on Wednesday evening uh, with some members of the media, and... Um, so yeah, we will we'll see. Um, but uh, I give I give credit to McLeod Bethel Thompson, who is by the way, and and I'm still relatively new to this industry, right? There we we've been rubbing shoulders with beat reporters who've been on the beat for thirty years, thirty five years, like since before you were born, JC. Um, you know, but I I've been around more or less for for seven years at this point, and uh, I have not met someone as interesting as McLeod Bethel Thompson. Um, and I say that with respect. He is a different cat, uh, but that would almost be understating it. I think among a group of different cats, he would be the different cat. He thinks um, in a unique way. He speaks in a unique way. Um, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what he can do. There is there has been speculation that he could retire after this season. His his partner. Um, whose whose last name is Hodge, by the way, maybe may a a long lost cousin of mine. We don't know. Um, is 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 a screenwriter. I believe the head screenwriter for an upcoming Marvel Cinematic Universe television show that's going to be streaming on Disney Plus. Um, I am not an entertainment industry expert, but needless to say, I would expect that. I mean, there's there's a considerable bag that would accompany that type of role, as the kids say. McLeod Bethel Thompson probably does not need to work for the rest of his life based solely on what his partner is earning south of the border. Um, so, you know, and, and you asked him to your credit, JC, point blank on Tuesday. Are you going to retire after this year? And he laughed in your face, uh, which is, I mean, his, his right. Uh, it's, it wasn't particularly polite, but I mean, it's his right to do. Obviously, he's not going to say publicly whether or not he will retire. But it, there are rumors that, that in Toronto that he could retire. Um, or at least that there there are individuals who wouldn't be surprised if, if Bethel Thompson retired. Chad Kelly would presumably be the quarterback of the future in Toronto. I've also got a column with Chad Kelly up on the site. Um, JC, some other quick news and notes. Uh, Ottawa Red Blacks defensive lineman Lorenzo Malden IV, uh, who had a breakout year this year, led the CFL in tackles, had 17 of them, is the East Division's nominee for most outstanding defensive player. Those awards, by the way, happen Thursday night. I think most outstanding defensive player, by the way, is the biggest, um, shall we say, I, oh, I would say it's the most interesting award, right? I think we know who's going to win MOP. I think we know who's going to win uh, MOC. Um, you know, Tyson Philpot had a great season, but I don't expect him to get a single vote for most outstanding rookie going opposite Dalton Schoen, who led the league in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. First rookie to do that in over two decades. Um, but MODP is a very interesting one. He's up against Sean Lemon. Uh, he told us yesterday that he is going to test free agency after his breakout year. He's got himself an agent. He could be back in Ottawa, but he is going to the highest bidder. It sounds like Dave Foxcroft has been named the official for this year's Great Cup in Regina. He last officiated a Great Cup in 2017. Last time the Argos won, JC, was a 2017. I'm not suggesting those two things are connected. It was just something that I I, I uh, observed as I looked up that information. 
Um, we've got a ton of content up on the site. Rene Paradis, this is not a great cup story, but he's back. He will not be retiring um, this offseason. Uh, Mike O'Shea, uh, who we've talked about on this podcast, is not having a contract. I talked to Kyle Walters about Mike O'Shea's lack of a contract. He said, look, we've been together so long, we don't have to talk every single day and have super long meetings like we used to. Um, he said at the end of the day, Mike has always gone to the end of his, his contracts and he has absolutely no interest in discussing a contract extension until his previous contract has run out. But he did say he remains committed to Winnipeg and loves the city and loves the team. And obviously the city and the team loves him considering that he is, he's, he's given them two great cup rings, which I mean, I'm not like, granted I grew up in Winnipeg. I, I'm not sure the Bombers had two good seasons in the 20 years that he before he came. I'm being a little harsh, but you know what I'm trying to say. Before Mike O'Shea came, uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers were in the absolute basement of the CFL. Um, JC, we're obviously going to cover the awards tonight. I don't think it's worth going award by award picking anybody. I'll, I will ask, however, who you think will win for most outstanding defensive player. Because again, as stated... That is, I think, the most intriguing race, Malden versus Lemon. It is certainly the most intriguing race, and I go back and forth on this because I think there's a lot of people that respect the big plays that Sean Lemon had this year or, or see them and instantly thought, okay, this is the guy who has to be MODP, in particular sort of those game-ending sacks, those forced fumbles. Now, Lorenzo Malden beat him in the sack race right he had he led the league in sacks he didn't necessarily have those forced fumbles it was on a much worse team obviously than Sean Lemon but he had better production in the thing that matters and I think he probably beat Sean Lemon if we had the stats in front of us in terms of pressures as well the problem I have with Sean Lemon is that I don't think he is in fact the most outstanding defensive player on his own team, right? I don't think he is the best player on his own defensive line. So I, if I was a voter, I would have a difficult time casting my ballot for that guy when I think so much of the Stampeders' success was due to guys like Ora Malade and Mike Rose and Jameer Thurman and Cam Judge, all of whom could easily be in, in the position that Sean Lemon is if Maybe they they got a lucky break at the right moment and had a couple more sacks to their name, right? I also think there is a bit, fairly or unfairly, a bit of a negative connotation around Sean Lemon, around the league. He's been around, he's bounced around, not everybody likes him, and some people have some perceptions about him as a player that maybe aren't necessarily fair, that he he's not a good run defender, he's not a complete player I don't know if he's or if Lorenzo Malden's any better in that regard but he certainly doesn't have the stink of it hanging over him like Lemon does I would not be surprised I think I don't know that there are any betting odds on this I think the betting odds would say it's Sean Lemon's award I think Lorenzo Malden actually takes it when all is said and done I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I think Lemon's going to win the award, and the reason is simple. To some extent, I do think that team factors in. Team team works its way into it, and there's there's literally no argument against the Calgary Stampeders having a better defense than the Ottawa Red Blacks. The Ottawa Red Blacks had a miserable season. There's no other way to say it. 
Um, and uh, though their defense was the best of the three phases, I think I think they were better than, than Ottawa special teams. Certainly better than Ottawa's offense. Um, I do think that these awards, you know, the the context of who the player is matters, in my opinion. Um, and I think a lot of voters feel that same way. And if you are a, a defender on, you know, a very good defense. I think that that adds a little bit of oomph compared to if you are, you know, a defender who posted similar numbers with a defense that was not top five um, or even top three. Um, same thing for the offensive line award, right? The offensive line award, I think, is also an award that leans a little more heavily towards team. And uh, while the stats don't tell the, you know, there are no stats realistically for offensive linemen, I also think that largely defensively, stats can be very misleading. Um, in terms of what a player did or did not do, right? I, I think arguably the best defensive player in the CFL is Dietrich Nichols, boundary halfback for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And he will never have stats because nobody throws the ball at Dietrich Nichols. I talked to Dietrich Nichols about that today, and I, I told him, D are you aware that there is a little bit of a campaign within the media that says you should have been the MODP? I know. I've said it before, Hodge, you just said it. Derek Taylor has also pounded the table for Dietrich Nichols in the past, and he was completely unaware of it. He smirked. He's like, oh, really? I did not know that was happening. And, and he sort of deflected it onto his teammates, said, well, I'm just one part of a unit. right? I don't know if I'm necessarily the best guy in the league. I'm having success because of the situation that Richie Hall puts me in and and the guys that are around me, which is exactly the type of thing that a, a player worthy of an MODP should say. But I agree with you, Hodge. He, to me, was the best defensive player in the league this year. His his numbers of, of completions allowed, yards allowed for the position he plays were absolutely redonkulous at that halfback spot where you're usually getting so much traffic nobody throws at his direction when they're playing the Bombers. That is correct. Um, and we shall see. I mean, historically, this is a defensive line slash linebacker award. The only defensive back to win it previously is Javon Johnson. He won it in 2011, I believe, when Winnipeg's defense was generating an unprecedented number of turnovers and I think that is the only way a defensive back will ever win that award is if they if they get a what you know, they have five, six, seven interceptions. And then there's also no like obvious pass rushing candidate. Right. Like that. That is also like the context of those numbers has to be right. If you, you can have six interceptions and be, you know, the top DB in the year. But if somebody goes off for 20 sacks, we, we know who's getting the vote. Right. Which. Fair or unfair is is the way this thing works. JC, I'm going to ask you for your great cup pick in a moment. Really quick, uh, we shoot. We, we need to at least mention the Bo Levi-Mitchell trade to Hamilton. Um, there's rumors that Bo Levi-Mitchell is currently in the city of Regina. We're hoping to have a conversation with, Mr. with Mr. Mitchell. Excuse me. Uh, it remains to be seen whether that conversation will be on the record, off the record, or if it will take place at all. Because, again, we don't 100% know if Bo is here. Uh, but we certainly hope that Bo is here. We certainly hope that he whispers in our ear a little bit about what's going on. But he did do an interview um, yesterday on Wednesday um, on YouTube. And... Um, basically reiterated what what he'd said previously which was i intend to go to free agency the thing i think people need to remember though is cfl free agency has changed over the years you do not have to wait until the first day of free agency to negotiate with other teams 
right? The, the, the window opens several days in advance. Um, I would be shocked if Mr. Mitchell is still unsigned um, necessarily the day that that free agency hits. If he waits that long, it's very obvious that he is not planning to re-sign with Hamilton. I personally believe he'll sign with Hamilton long term. What about you, JC? Well, I think it's the best spot for him. So I certainly hope that Bo Levi Mitchell, for his own good, signs with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I think that's the spot where he has the most direct trajectory to success, to another Grey Cup championship, to redemption, and all those storylines that will come with it, which will do so well on 3downnation.com because you all love it when Bo Levi Mitchell is doing something either immensely positive or immensely negative because he is one of the most divisive figures and most popular figures in this league. However, the sense I got from him is he's not convinced one way or another, and he's going to have all those those conversations. I was a little taken aback. I was in the, the Zoom press conference with Orlando Steinhauer after that trade was made. He sounded confident that Bo Levi Mitchell would be signed However, he beat around the bush a whole lot when it came to Dane Evans and his future in Hamilton, trying not to burn any bridges there. And I would say this, once you've made that trade, that relationship, you're like you've sent the message already, right? You've done the worst thing that you can do to that guy already. So to, to say he's still our quarterback and, you know, there might be a situation in which both can be there, I think is just window dressing. And it may indicate, and, and Steinhauer said this, they did not look at moving on from Evans until after the season finished, which at first I thought was was just a bunch of posturing by the Ticats to say, no, we were happy with our quarterbacks in season, but now we're moving on. I wonder if this trade was made with less of an indication that they would sign Bo, then maybe we would suspect, given the history of these types of trades being made for the rights to pending free agents, they almost always sign with the team that trades for them. I'm not convinced that Hamilton necessarily has a huge leg up on everyone else in the Bo Levi Mitchell sweepstakes right now. I think the most important thing to come of this so far, because, of course, it's possible that nothing will come of this and Bo will still sign in, in Saskatchewan or Toronto. Of course, McLeod Bethel Thompson and his future comes into this as, as well, obviously. Uh, we're not sure that Chad Kelly will be the guy long term. If, if you can get Bo Levi Mitchell, in my view, you go, you get Bo Levi Mitchell if, if you're the Ticats or, or pardon me, if you're the Argos. Um, but what I, I will say, and I think you nailed this, JC, is this has closed the door on Dane Evans at Hamilton. You cannot, under any circumstances, um, let, let, you know, let's, let's speak hypothetically here. Let's say Bo Levi Mitchell for a moment does not sign long-term with the Ticats. You cannot, hi- you, know, you cannot then go to Dane and say, oh, sorry about that trade. We, we just did it for the meme. We did it for the headlines. We did it for the attention. Well, you know, you were always our guy. That's... That that reeks to high heaven of you know what that is a giant pile of BS and uh, it's clear that the Hamilton Tiger Cats will go in a different direction this offseason at quarterback whether that is Bo or or somebody else we do also know Dane Evans is under contract for 2023 and he is due a boatload of money which to me means he is going to get cut which opens the door assuming it happens I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves but assuming it happens does he go to Toronto. 
does he go to Saskatchewan? Where where does he end up? Because obviously there's there's a bunch of places uh, where he could potentially go. We also talked last week about the possibility maybe he goes to Ottawa and gives them that same one-two punch that Hamilton had successfully under Tommy Condell for, for several years with him and Jeremiah Masoli uh, slinging the rock for the tabbies. JC, we got to run. But first, we cannot possibly sign off without getting your Grey Cup pick, including a score, and then the correct one from me. I am going with Winnipeg for this Grey Cup because at the end of the day, we can talk about running backs all week. This is going to come down to Zach Caleros, and it's going to come down to him versus the Toronto Argonauts' opportunistic defense and their their ability to create takeaways. They give up a bunch of big plays, Hodge. They may have 29 interceptions. Only Ottawa has allowed uh, more yardage through the air per game than Toronto has. Zach Caleros has thrown interceptions at a historically low rate this season as opposed to his touchdown numbers. He just doesn't make those mistakes that the Toronto Argonauts can capitalize on. Now, maybe the ankle changes things. I don't think it will. I think he continues to do what he's doing. The Argos cannot force their turnovers. They have to go away from the running game. And Zach Caleros is able to hit two, three big shots, just as he's been able to for most of the last couple years. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers become three-time Grey Cup champions. I'm going to say the score is 32-18. All right, so you've got them by 12. That is a wide spread. I've got a slightly smaller spread, JC. I'm going Winnipeg 27, Toronto 16, an 11-point spread. Um, I, I think that this, this, this Winnipeg Blue Bombers team is is dialed in i think they're ready to roll i don't want to disrespect the argos because i do think that the argos have a chance to win this game especially we talked about that running back duo if i were the winnipeg blue bombers that is the thing i would be concerned about i'm confident you know provided zach can move around i'm confident as the blue bombers that i'm okay i'm gonna score points and and we're gonna be able to run the ball at least a little bit and 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 janarian grant i think is an x factor in their turn game i talked to mickey donovan today the special teams coordinator for the Toronto Argonauts, and he he said that outside of Devontae Deadman, of all the returners that the Argos have played this year, Janarian Grant is the best, uh, which I found interesting because um, Devontae Deadman and Janarian Grant are both not up for the most outstanding special teams award uh, tonight. Uh, that will be Chandler Worthy and Barrio Alford um, of the uh, Alouettes and Rough Riders, respectively. By the way, that's another piece of news that came up, Mario Alford re-signing with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, um, you know, was it was it was it an electrifying return man for them? Um, certainly one of the best in the league. Um, but that being said, I, I think as long as Winnipeg can can keep that run game in check, and I think obviously having a week of film to work off of is a big advantage, right? We hadn't really seen that two headed monster unleashed by the Argos until the East Final. Having that that film to go off of and, and being prepared and knowing and having their assignments figured out with. You know, Adam Big Hill and Willie Jefferson and all those great veterans that the Bombers have on that defense. I do think the Winnipeg Blue Bombers will take this game, and we hope that you all enjoy it. We hope that you enjoy this podcast. Justin Dunk should be back next week uh, once we've gone home and got about 48 hours of sleep uh, on Monday and Tuesday. We will record our podcast on Wednesday. 
full of all kinds of news, nuggets, inside insight, and analysis um, from from the Great Cup. We thank you for joining us on this podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it again, and we'll uh, we'll speak with you again soon. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.